Hi, I'm Jeff Van Gundy, and you're listening to Thunderbus. Welcome to Thunderbus with your hosts, Watson and Bones. I'm Watson. And I am Bones. We get serious about the thunder on this podcast. But we don't get too serious. Guys, we're back on the air after two months of uh, not remembering the password to uh, to get into Thunderbus. But we're back because we just bought one that takes your blood. Bought a computer, takes your blood. You don't need a password. Well, and one... NBA team just gave up everything they have except their blood to get James Harden, and that team would be the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets now have two of the most talented players in the NBA. Um, hey, you could say offensively, two of the most talented of all time. I, I don't think you could dispute that, but they're a couple of knuckleheads. Yeah, and well, then, and Kyrie. Now, with, when you throw Kyrie in there, it's a triumvirate of knuckleheads. I mean, at this point, I got to say, and you know, you Thunder fans might disagree. A you will disagree. Watson, you might disagree with this. But I might. I'm at the point where I don't really consider KD a knucklehead. Like, I mean, I still don't like him because of his, you know, bad decisions, his poor decision making. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, when you have Kyrie and Harden, that are also on the table. I mean, you gotta say, hey, these are the these are two knuckleheads here. So I definitely agree that Durant is easily the most mature and selfless of the three. That's also a low bar. Mm-hmm. I want to see where you stand on just Harden as a whole, because w- this is another thing that we you know we haven't talked about, we haven't talked Thunderball in a while. We haven't talked hoops in a second. We might have some differing opinions, but I I forgot j- what basketball is. Well, it's the it's the game that James Harden's really good at, and uh, I I just want to see what you what you got to say about James. I mean, just the whole debacle before he left. I mean, did that kind of piss you off? Were you? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was totally lame of him to uh, just trash his teammates like that. You know, he there's no one really to blame for the state of the Rockets other than James Harden because they did everything that he wanted them to do for eight seasons. He ran off co-star after co-star and they never got anywhere. Yeah. You know, the the best that they ever were was when they had Chris Paul Mm -hmm. and we know how, how amazing he is. And they weren't really all that competitive at any other point in the Harden era other than when they had Chris Paul on their team. Right. So for him to like throw a hissy fit and say, the Rockets aren't doing anything for me, well, that means you ain't doing nothing for yourself because you've been running the Rockets. Mm, the old JFK saying, not what your Rockets can do for you, but what you can do for your Houston Rockets. And JFK was all about uh, Rockets because he said, we choose to go to the moon. And to do the other things. Mm. Not because they are easy, but because they are Harden. Because they are Jimmy Harden. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so like a piece of that, well, I agree with more than a piece. I agree with a lot of that. 
But hear me out. I mean, those Chris Paul, James Harden teams were, you know, some of the best teams that never won a title. And I can confidently say that because, like we've spoken... 65 wins. 65 wins, and like we've spoken before on this pod, um, they almost beat the Warriors that had KD, which is the best team ever assembled. And so I just think that Harden, even though the team did what he wanted them to do, I sort of think it was most of his ideas were like the right move. At least like, you know, the Chris Paul move, it had to happen for the, to put them on that level. And then also like, I don't really like, I don't yuck the Westbrook move was, you know, in hindsight, was it bad because Chris Paul um, was, you know, really good the next season and he's looking really good this season. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But, and like we said before, Westbrook turned it around, and the Rockets looked pretty good before he went down. So I don't think his moves are all that poor. And also, you can say that the Rockets started going to shit when ownership changed to uh, Fertitta. And um, <laughs> then Maury... Fertitta? I mean, I, I think I think Maury was running the show there until the new ownership came in. And then, all of a sudden, Harden wants out after balling out for nine or eight seasons, for eight full seasons, and then ownership changed. He didn't like what he saw. Now, I will say this. He handled it poorly in the moment, and he said some shit about his teammates that it's just not, like, cool to say that about, like, people you work with, but also just, like, other adults in general. And But he made what he wants. He, he made it happen so he could you know, he could bounce and he could get the hell out of there. Yeah, he, he got I, what he wanted. But, you know, I, I think the uh, the recent history of our country over the past week or two is proof of the idea that the means matter as much as the ends. Uh, and in Harden's case, he got the end that he desired, but the means are despicable. Uh, and, and also, I, I want to just push back on, on your point about you know, you know Westbrook being a good move, like not disputing the moves, like that's a fair point. But it's not just the personnel that went wrong with the Rockets organization; it was also the culture and kind of the product on the floor. Uh, this is something that Jeff Van Gundy was talking about on the Low Post a while ago. Like, whenever Harden would give up the ball, he would just hang out. Right. He would just stand there, just you know, move around like. Steph Curry moves around all over the place and he has so much gravity it distorts the defense and frees up opportunities for uh, for his teammates but as soon as Harden lets go of the ball it's 4 on 5 because he doesn't do anything off ball he doesn't cut doesn't really even spot up he just waits for the ball to come back to him if it's going to happen and we all know about his defense yeah i mean the, the defense thing i'm not like uh, you know, I don't think it's just like the worst thing ever because when he actually tries, then you know it. It you know it's something else, and his which, post defense which he is should actually try with the Nets, which he should try. And I d- I don't you know I don't disagree that kind of like the like with the operations of of literal like on court play, like yeah, he could have done a lot of other things, but like we can nitpick these like elite players. Um, 
like all day basically i mean we could do that all day you could do that about like all three like you know former thunder guys that are mvps now you could literally talk about their like because kd you know like the reason the thunder crumbled in the that 16 western conference finals is because iso ball killed us so you can nitpick like that guy and he is one of the best offensive players of all time and so i i don't but anyways i don't disagree with that i i think that he could have done a lot better but i just don't think we should just totally say that he fucked up um when he like nobody expected him to play like that nobody expected him to be averaging like 30 points and like you know like triple double one season and or at least almost and i mean putting up like big numbers and and being the reason the Rockets were on the map. And it, it, it's sort of like we, I don't know, we, he's he's even the, like, uh, he's the reason that we are talking so much about James Harden. But, but what has he got to show for it other than a bunch of stats? I mean, nothing, but so does Charles Barkley and so does Russell Westbrook and so does, like, you know, probably Duran if he doesn't go to the Warriors and, like, so does... Like a bunch of other good, so does Jokic, and so does like a bunch of really good players that haven't won a title. So like I, the more that we judge players for not winning a title, the more you have players forming super teams to appease and trying like because now you just have all these teams that it's it's literally title or bust. The Nets included now, the Clippers, the Lakers, but that's just because LeBron's held to a different standard. Clippers were viewed as a failure last season and like yeah they did fail and they blew it but if they lost the next round they would have been, they would have failed like so you have all these teams that are built to win championships so fans will shut up about their legacy and so it's just like we kind of perpetuate that when we nitpick the like great players and talk about like how yeah, they did all this. They did, did all this. They almost took down the best team ever assembled. But what's he got to show for it? Well, he's got nothing. Well, I, I think there's a difference, though, between like, OK, I, I agree with you that, that winning a championship should not be the only thing we judge, uh, judge a player or a team by. I think it's more about like, did you maximize what you were? Were you competitive? And the Rockets weren't really all that competitive outside of the Chris Paul portion of the James Harden era. I I think they were. They just weren't on a contending level. And if that it's just so funny because if that team existed in any other season, they might have won one if not two titles in a row and we wouldn't if 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 Harden did the same exact thing and pushed himself out once ownership changed, we wouldn't be saying any of this. Well, all, all this will be moot if Harden on the nets chooses to play more of a role and be less of the uh, less of the sun that the nets solar system revolves around. You know, yeah. if if he finds a way to fit in with KD and Kyrie, where you know he does some off ball stuff and he plays a little defense because the nets sure as hell need someone playing some perimeter defense. Um, like no one is disputing the nets' talent; they they have the best talent in the league now, right? I mean, they don't have much depth, but they have the kind of talent that matters most in the NBA, and that is top-level shot creation, star power, you know, offense. They have two guys on their team that are offenses unto themselves, and then they have another guy who is like, 
on the level just below that and hit a shot that that won game seven of the finals. Yep. So they've got all the talent they need. <laughs> but the question is, will they sacrifice? Yeah. Will they fit? Will any of them compromise the, you know, will any of them have the humility to recognize that it's not all about them? And if they if they do, if they adapt, then shit, they could win the whole thing. But I'm going to sit here and say, I think they will lose in the East Finals. That's what I think. I mean, I think that's a fair prediction. But what, you know, and I don't like want to get into the hypothetical thing, but here I go. What if they do win it and it's not because like they adapt that much? Like, let's say Harden kind of plays almost the same role, maybe a little more mild because he doesn't need to put up that many shots um, as he did in Houston. And let's say that happens and, you know, he kind of stands around on offense and, you know, maybe he just like gives it up to KD more because, you know, he doesn't really have to think about that. And let's say he plays mediocre defense only when it matters, you know, he, or he plays mediocre defense and then when it matters, he plays decent, whatever. Let's say all of that happens and then they win it. I feel like it's going to be moot within the NBA fan community then also. And so it's just like, I don't know, it, it, it just kind of kind of banks on my past point, just that like we really and I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but we as fans just really want to see those titles. And I get it. I get it. You know, I, mean, I don't. I don't think they're going to win if those guys don't buy in to defense in the playoffs. Oh yeah. I mean, I agree. I I agree. I but I think they will. I think I think they absolutely will because those are vets at this point. I mean, Kyrie's not necessarily. I mean, I I think a lot of uh, like. I think KD and James Harden, if they stay healthy, they're so, like, surefire on offense. Like, it is going to happen that I think it totally depends on Kyrie Irving's buy-in at this point because he's not even playing. So, I I just, I, like I said, I get all of the Harden criticism. It's like I agree with most of it, and especially the on-court stuff. But at the same time, it's just like this guy also built his, I mean, he built his own legacy and like into this incredible player that like has changed the game because historic he's, he's so skillful now if we had all of those other things he'd be a perfect player he'd be like lebron-esque and sometimes i think like we sort of just subconsciously compare these great players to lebron because lebron is just the ideal superstar not only like because of like his media presence but like how he conducts himself like on the court while playing basketball he makes the right moves he's just he's perfect and then uh, so yeah so but but yeah i uh i think i think you're right i mean i think that's a good prediction i think the nets will there's a there's a good chance to lose in the east eastern finals would you like to move to the part of the show where we actually say the names of current Thunder players? <laughs> yes, let's do that. So right now, Thunder sit at six and six, and that's not bad enough. No, it's not. It's not. It's 500, and there's like six other teams that are 500 right now. And uh, I mean, six, figure six, it six. out. Figure it out to Marky D. Nah, but. I would be lying to say I'm not excited that they are just naturally like good enough to not be like worse than 500. And they're playing so hard, which you gotta love. Like that's that's the kind of thing you want to see. Like I was afraid, you know, some teams some teams suck, 
and they don't play right. And the young players on those teams never learn how to be like professional NBA players. Yeah. They're just kind of like they're hooping and they're getting paychecks, but they're not improving. But like the way that this this team has played so far demonstrates to me that we have a good, healthy culture that is not going to allow, it's not going to let the fruit die on the vine, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like in this sample size of six games, we have seen enough to kind of just know about our organization. 12 games. Yeah, 12 games. We've seen enough to know, like, just kind of more and more about this organization, like the level of quality it sustains. And I feel like we said the same thing last season, but then we like even surpassed that. And we're like, oh, wait, we're not tanking. Yeah, we're um, good. Which kind of like, you know, it, it makes me want to know, are we tanking? I mean, I think we are, but is there any chance that we end up like around 500? Like we, any chance halfway through nah. the season, we end up, you know, 500. No chance in hell. One, this always happens the first few weeks of every season. Um, there are teams that, like, teams kind of start out kind of bunched in the middle. And if you look at the standings right now, like, that's what jumps off the page is all the teams are kind of bunched in the middle records-wise. But as the season goes along, teams' true badness asserts itself. And uh, that's, that's going to happen with the Thunder. Like, even though we have a 500 record, we have the third worst point differential in the West and the fourth worst in the yeah, league. Yeah, good, good. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, that's right. We suck, everyone. We're going to get a nice, juicy pick. Well, and then also, so we're 10th in the West. I mean, we're tied with a bunch of teams, but we're 10th in the West. The teams that are worse than us, Nuggets, they're going to they're, you know, they're gonna turn around. Yep. Pelicans, uh, you assume they'll turn around. Rockets. The, the, the Pelicans will because they have Stan Van Gundy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's they good still point. had Alvin Gentry. I would be doubtful of it, but they'll they'll surpass us. Yeah, and they obviously have, you know, Brandon Ingram and, and Zion who, you know, I think is enough to like be a competitive team. Well the at talent least, was never in question. At least more competitive than the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yep. And then yeah, you got the Rockets, which we've talked about, and then the Kings, which, you know, they have more motivation to win than us. I'll just say that. But at some point in the season, they might say, fuck it, we're tanking too. And then you got the Wolves, who are just bad forever, I guess. I don't know. I think if the Kings fail to make the playoffs, like, they have an active playoff drought, I think, right? Since, like, 2004. Man, the whole Tim Donahue thing just shut the Kings down. At this point, the NBA should make the Kings (laughs) call themselves the Jesters. Oh, yeah. You know, that wouldn't that be hilarious if the worst record in the league, that's how you prevent tanking. Yes. If you have the worst record in the league, you have to change your name just like the next year to something just shitty. Yeah, yeah. The there should be like a pick. secret list. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, the best team, the, the fans of the best team get to pick the the name for the worst team. In the league. On Reddit. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, let's make a, yeah, get a, get a whole poll going. You, you know, a few years ago, uh, the United Kingdom like made this brand new science boat, and it was going to go like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably everyone listening to this podcast. If you listen to podcasts, were- you've heard of Boating McBoatface. <laughs> was there even another option? Was there another? 
I think there were other Anything options. Anything in else in the cards? Yeah, it, for anyone who doesn't know, basically, they had this fancy new boat, and they let internet people come up with names and vote on what they thought the boat should be called, and the winner was Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> well, and, and, wh- and what I just mentioned, going back to the teams that are bad right now, uh, those were the teams in the West, and then you got like the Pistons, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Heat, and the Bulls that are you know bad in the East right now. And so you imagine, hey, I'll say this. Wizards, they're not going to be worse than us at the end of the season. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be, especially if they get Russ back and he's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah. They've been better without him this year. Yeah. Well, but I think that will reverse itself. Yeah, I think so too. If 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 he becomes healthy, because I don't know, he's also aging, so it's hard to like predict what he's gonna do and how he'll perform. Yeah. But yeah. One bright spot has definitely been SGA's performance, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it's just been, uh, yeah, it's just, like, kind of given me hope, you know? Like, because I, I think a lot of people that watch the playoffs and then the start of the season uh, had some doubts, including myself. You know, one of them being, like, is this our guy? Is this the dude that we're going to stick with? And is he a point guard or a shooting guard? Is Yeah, what is his role on this team? And like also, like is he aggressive? And is that craftiness like enough to put us like on another level when we need to be? Um, I don't know, but like there you know, he had just like it was like a three game span that like I totally like flipped my opinion about him. And he's still he's played well other games besides those three games, but like there was yeah he went on a he went on a run there that just like made me pumped about what this guy's gonna do. And he's hit game winning shots and like his numbers are up across the board. Uh, I, I wrote an article for Thunderous Intentions where I was basically saying like the the hardest thing for SGA this year will be like maintaining his efficiency while increasing his volume because his teammates are worse this year. Yeah, like last year he increased his volume and his efficiency stayed the same, and he was playing around. Chris Paul, Gallinari, Stephen Adams. Yeah. It's much harder to be an efficient player when you're the only guy the defense has to worry about. But his uh, his shooting is up. Like, his field goal percentage is up um, three percentage points. His uh, two-point percentage is up by six and a half percentage points. His three-point shooting is up by three percentage points. Um, scoring 22 a game. And his assist rate is nearly doubled. From last year, oh, last that's, season, that's wild. And, so he's and, a point guard now, baby. Well, and you think about it, you know, this is his third season in the league, and each season he's played with like a completely different team. I mean, this isn't like just totally different from last year, but yeah, like the, we we were missing the guys you just mentioned, including Schroeder, and I would imagine their usage was a lot higher than dudes like you know Bays and Dort. And so, I mean, the guy adapts well, obviously. So he's like, you can tell he's like. A really smart guy, and uh, I don't know, just kind of knowing that it just like gives me it gives me hope because he because he's definitely athletic enough, and uh, yeah, he's hit those game winners, which is like SJ's kind of clutch. I mean, he's kind of a cu- clutch guy. He is clutch, that's for sure. It's pretty sweet. And then, man, I, I mean, Dort is just he's just like he's. He's so good on defense that I, sometimes, and you know, don't kill me for saying this. Sometimes I 
wonder if he could end up better than SGA. That's how Ooh. good that's how good he is on defense. Wow. That like all he has to do is is like now it's a lot. It's not all he has to do, but it's it, it, he would have to have an av- like a, a slightly above average offensive game. Do you think Dort is currently one of the 20 best defensive players in the NBA? Absolutely. What about top 10? Maybe. Maybe. I feel the same. So that's what I'm saying like if he he's already that good on defense, like one of the best perimeter defense defenders that you'll see in in a while. Doesn't does he not just need to have like a slightly above average offensive game? I mean, that's what like we always said about Robertson, right? And arguably Dort is Dort might already be as good a defender as Robertson ever was. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Check this out. I, I know that it's a short season, but <laughs> what? So, so, so I looked through through Thunder history, and I looked to see all the players in Thunder history who made at least two threes, uh, made more than two point zero threes per game, so two point one and up. Yeah, and I sorted them by percentage. Oh, uh, okay. Where do you think Dort ranks among the uh, among the ten player seasons to have ever done this? Like some some guys did it multiple times, like Durant and Paul George. So just an average above two point one made threes a game. Yes. And okay. So uh, there, there are ten player seasons in here. In his current season, where do you think it ranks? Current season? Uh, I mean, he's got to be up there. So I don't know, like six. He's number one. What? Because right now, Dort is making 43% on 5.4 attempts per game. His shot doesn't look bad. Like, it looks... And now, like, there are times it does, like, it looks a little rickety, but, like, because of the rhythm, but, like, the, like, actual, like, motion, it looks like a decent shot. Yeah, and he's shooting it with confidence. Yep. And he's scoring in other ways, too. He's being really decisive about when to when to shoot versus when to... You know, just take it and drive. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a big deal in basketball. Is just not waiting when you get the ball, just not holding the ball, standing and holding the ball. Like once you do that, the offense dies and the defense uh, gets back into position, and then you have to start something new from that point. Could Dort be as good as Drew Holiday? You think? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I mean, right now he's shooting a much higher percentage than Drew Holiday ever has. And Drew Holiday has always been strangely turnover prone. So, yeah, Dort could be better than Drew Holiday. That's what I like to hear. And didn't Drew Holiday just get traded for an unreasonable number of picks? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just feeling more and more like, you know, these, you know, these guys are staying staying with OKC. What um, what do you think the Thunder would, how many picks, how many first-round picks do you think it would take for the Thunder to trade away against Dort right now? You know, I don't think they, I would. I, I, I don't think they would trade him for, like... Th- three? No, I don't think so. You don't think they would trade him for three first-round picks? I don't think so, just because at the end of the day, these picks are empty. And when you got a guy like that who's that good on defense, I think, it, I think no. It feels crazy to say. But I agree with you. 
Maybe four. I would not trade him for three first-round picks. And he was an undrafted player a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's funny how it was like Dort was more of like a meme at first, almost like similar to how like Burton was memed. Because Burton would have flashes of kind of like like this unwarranted greatness, and then it would just you know go away. Whereas like Dort, I felt like, was sort of perceived in the same boat. But then Dort's greatness just like sustained itself on yep. defense and i mean he just kept being good and then obviously we saw what he did in the playoffs and uh he, yeah i mean burton was the dot-com bubble and dort is bitcoin yep that's good invest <laughs> uh someone that uh, i think we're all invested in there you go is darius baisley and segway bus you know he <laughs> he's <laughs> Or Thunder Segway, because the Segway is a mode of transportation. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, Thunderway. <laughs> Baisley keeps giving us flashes and showing us skills. And, like, I love what Baisley, like, what Baisley projects to be. Um, but the numbers still are just not pretty. Like, he's had some good games, but whoo. Yeah. His uh, shooting 37% from the floor, 27% from three. It's ugly out there, Bones. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like you said, he's had some good games. I would like to see like how his stats were at the beginning of the season because I know he started off slow and he started kind of picking it back up. But yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I wish he had. Uh, I definitely was anticipating a hotter start from Bays, and because I think before the season started, I was like, this guy could average like sixteen, seventeen a game, and I still think he can. I think he can too, um, and especially uh, you know, especially once you know we trade George Hill, because we're doing it, and uh, maybe even Moose. But I, yeah, I think he'll get the ball more and he'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, there are still some parts of his game that I'm just like, I hope that improves. Yep, like just kind of the decision making. Well, I think with Baisley, we're seeing kind of the other side of the coin from what I was saying with SGA. Like, you know, SGA's burden is higher and he's got less help. And I was saying that should impact his efficiency. It hasn't. But that does seem to be happening in Baisley. Because Baisley went from playing 18 minutes a game last year to playing 30 minutes a game this year. Yeah, That's a significant increase in, you know, in your playing load. But he's also just being given more responsibility. I mean, he's taking like almost three more shots per thirty-six minutes. Um, he's just—he's being trusted with more and asked to do more, and it's hard to learn that, you know, as a nineteen-year-old on a crappy team. Yeah, yeah, and so much of his play is still raw, and it's just kind of hard to see where exactly it's going, like trajectory-wise. But I don't know the 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 flashes of. Uh, greatness, you know, that you see. I don't know if I'll call it greatness, but, like, of a good player. <laughs> um, are, like, they provide enough optimism that I still am investing in Baisley coin. In Bays coin. <laughs> Bays coin. I like that. Yeah. Now, what about Poku? Poke coin. Um, so this is another guy that, like, Poke coin sounds like if Facebook made a <laughs> made a currency like in their early days. <laughs> yeah. 
just like, oh, you've been poked this many times. You can buy a new profile picture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, poke you, like, speaking of Raw, I mean, this guy really hasn't shown us anything um, as far as numbers go, except those blocks. The dude's swatting, like, Obi Toppin. That was the closest rhyme I could come up with. Well, that that doesn't make sense, because Toppin's not a defensive stalwart of any kind yeah well hopefully i spoke that into existence topping fans you know what i'm talking about anyways poku doesn't look that great i'll say it but there is something about his game that gives me the kind of hope that i have for old bays and uh a lot uh, specifically with poku his uh intensity his his lack of hesitation when he gets the ball He's not afraid to shoot the long shot. No fear. And uh, it's, he's kind of like a poor man's Porzingis uh, in a way. And, yeah, he's got no fear. And, uh, you know, he still just looks like he's, like, evolving. Like, not even as a person. Like, maybe as, as a species <laughs> in a way. Like, it's like we're not totally sure he's a homo sapien. There's, there's a wet tail just wriggling on the floor in the, of the locker room. Yeah, and maybe that'll go away someday. We don't know. <laughs> Once he proves that he's a human... Then, you know, I'll be able to, you know, start really talking about this guy, I think. Well, the, the blocks are encouraging, I think, because that's something that we talked about when he got drafted, is he is kind of an intriguing player pro- pro- profile because theoretically he should be providing you rim protection and three point shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fully actualized version of what we hope Pokashevsky can be will do the, both of those things, which makes your Porzingis comp, uh, you know, Pretty pretty informative, I would say. Plus, they both have long names that start with P. Yeah, and there's long people. Very long. Yep. Long P, long people. Long P. Hey, I mean, I don't think he's going to be that good, (laughs) 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 if I'm being totally honest. But I don't know. There's just the chance that something... Something nice will happen, but I, I'm reminded of. I think it was when uh, when Bruno Caboclo was drafted. Fran Fraschilla said he's two years away from being two years away, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I see when I see Pokashevsky. Yeah, there's just a lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns. All right, one more question before we hit it and quit it. Uh, when do you think George Hill will get traded? Deadline is March 25th. Um, Two I months th- away. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably have a deal in the works, like maybe in like late February or just kind of before the deadline. So sometime in March. Um, because I think we want to maybe like keep him um, a little longer just so he gets in a rhythm. I feel like once he gets in a rhythm, then, you know, they'll like – kind of boost his stock a little bit. But, uh, you know, I've said this before. If we are the Thunder and, like, between, like, in our contention window, so between, like, 12 and, like, 16, um, if we knew that we were getting George Hill in the offseason or, like, in the middle of the season, be fucking pumped. we'd be excited. I mean, we would think that it, it would, like, turn the tide of, you know, losing um, in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, we'd be pumped. And so, like, you know, 
I'm just optimistic a lot of teams will like be open to hearing trades. Maybe we should build a time machine and trade George Hill to the 2016 Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea. We yeah. should work on that. I'm going to start studying science. Yeah, I mean, we just got to get like a telephone booth, a briefcase, and like, I don't know, some like colorful buttons and just, a, you know, like a place where we can write in a date. And then I think that's all we need. Maybe some copper. Wild stallions, dude. That's <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted, right? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go me. Rufus. <laughs> Socrates. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> Socrates. Uh, well, that's the last stop on the bus today. You can follow us on Twitter at thunder underscore bus underscore pod, unless we've been taken off Twitter. That's an open question. And you can find us on Facebook and all the major podcast apps. Whenever you listen to us, please give us a like and review. Thanks for riding the bus this week, and thunder up. It's